welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a Boston Bruins Podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, if you can believe it. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can subscribe via Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. Each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review on your podcast app, that would be very much appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins, and you can follow me, if you so desire, at ENC McLaren, uh, along with uh, hockey takes. You can expect a healthy dose of dad jokes thrown in there as well. I think that's it by way of introduction on today's podcast, uh, joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite follows on Bruins Twitter, and that would be Colin, also known as Spoked Z. He is the social media and content director for Bruins Diehards, Pride Diehards, uh, two of my favorite hockey sites, period. And I've had a, a few of their people on here, and it was great to catch up with Colin to hear kind of his hockey origin story and uh, hear some of his current Bruins takes. He also had some very kind things to say near the end, and I really appreciate uh, his support since starting the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast and just on Twitter in general. Very uh, nice guy and someone I'm proud to call a friend via Twitter, of course, and hopefully we can connect in, in real life one day. But all that to say, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Follow Colin at SpokeZ, which... Uh, as I say off the top, is one of my favorite Twitter handles. Very clever. And uh, yeah, I hope you're all staying safe, uh, staying socially distant and responsible, and that you all have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with some more Locked On Boston Bruins content. But for now, please enjoy this conversation with Spoked Z, a.k.a. Colin. All right, I'm joined now by... Colin, you probably know him fortunately as Spoke to Z on Twitter, which is a, a fantastic <laughs> handle, I might add. Uh, social media content director for Bruins Diehards and Pride Diehards, and uh, really happy to uh, have him on the podcast today to chat about the Bruins. How's it, how's it going today, Colin? Not too bad, you know, just living the quarantine dream. I'm living on Twitter, being the content yeah. director. It's, it's a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a, it's more of a title than I probably deserve considering I pretty much just fire off ridiculous tweets and somehow they asked me to be the content director, but you know, that's what, that's what I'm here to do. I guess your uh, day job, you're, you're a teacher, right? You've been uh, kind of navigating those waters during this quarantine. How, how's that been going? Yeah. So, you know, I think my official like title is para educator, but it's like somewhere yeah. in between being full full-on lead teacher and like a teaching assistant. I work in a, a, um, this new program that just started this year at, at a high school working with about like five to 10 max, uh, different students with some pretty severe diagnoses and history of social emotional disorder. So mm. all of my kids okay. have some, some serious anxiety, depression, OCD, um, 
you know, other other pretty pretty hard uh, limitations as far as them trying to navigate high school. So the combination of being 16 and now this um, like a worldwide literal global pandemic has been pretty challenging for them. But fortunately, they've been doing pretty well doing um, online school. And the one positive thing is it's kind of making teachers and other educators get a little bit more creative with how they deliver their, um, uh, you know, whatever they're, they're teaching. So it's kind of like being a content director, almost just trying to get my kids yeah. to, uh, do some work at home and they make fun of me half the time, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. I've worked with actually, uh, like elementary school kids yeah. in that situation and also adults. So yeah, I can, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to, uh, yeah, have to navigate kind of this current situation on, on top of that. But uh, yeah. I definitely admire uh, that people who, who are doing it right now, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess the topic of the podcast is, is always, always ask people who come on kind of how they got into hockey, kind of their hockey origin story, and specifically how uh, you became – uh, a fan of the Boston Bruins if there was a specific uh, season or a moment or you were kind of born into it how how did that all come about yeah sure so um I'll try to keep it within an hour here but um <laughs> you know growing up you know pretty much since I was born sports playing sports following sports watching sports has just basically run my life <laughs> Um, I used to kind of make my, my dad's life a living hell on the weekends from the ages of like six until 13. We'd, you know, wake up at five, drive to New Hampshire for soccer practice, get some breakfast, come back, get, or, uh, go to basketball practice. I'd end up making him bring me to the batting cages for like an hour, kill some time, oh, go back to New Hampshire for my other soccer practice or game with another <laughs> team, then go back for baseball practice. So that was like six years of his life that you know, he'll probably never get back. Wow. But um, I think, you know, the one sport I only, I only got to play for <laughs> one year, but never really competitively all was hockey. So I think hockey's always had a little bit um, of extra, like allure entry, just because I only got to play for, for one year, just because um, combination of playing every sport under the sun and how expensive hockey is. And then, you know, I, could go on mm -hmm. for hours talking about my mother, but she decided out of nowhere after not going to college to just become a nurse. So one day she just started um, med school and my two little brothers were born. So I got to play one year of hockey because I'd actually have a ride. But then once, once um, my friend quit, I had no way of getting to Exeter, New Hampshire for the house league, just an absolute, just a disaster of a league. It was beautiful. But um, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I did, I just fell in love with hockey probably because it was something I, I couldn't actually play, but I lived on the ponds and playing pond hockey and shinny. And it was just, you know, it was the best. There's no nets. Nice. We were just out there, make some boards using snow. And it was just pretty much like, I guess, fighting the whole time, but like funny. Um, but I mean, just the, <laughs> yeah. the, the sport of hockey to me is, is just so, you can you can look at it so many different ways and make some deeper connections with it. I mean, it, what they do is legitimately incredible. And I think just in case you can't tell, I, I can't really sit still. So watching them 
you know, watching their craft on full display and they're doing all of that while on skates and flying a million miles an hour. I think it just, I naturally gravitated towards it. Um, and just kind of shifting into how I started, um, or when I really fell in love with the Bruins, obviously growing up in Boston helped. Um, but you know, I, it's a point that I make that's kind of over-dramatized probably, but I don't think people understand just how much the city of Boston in general has changed in the past 15 to 20 years. Um, nice. You know, I, I can remember, I'm young enough that I don't remember very much, but I still have memories of when all four of the teams really weren't that great. Uh, and the city was really just, it, it, people don't understand it. it. It is a tough city. Like it's not necessarily like tough in the sense of you know dangerous or whatever but like the people here are just tough lunch pail grind it out um put your hard hat on go to work type of people and it, it's changed a little bit there's just so much money here now and it's so expensive and i think that coinciding with all of the championships that every team except for the bruins other than the one is winning like year in year out the the attitudes kind of shifted but i i really did fall in love with the bruins just with that the attitude of the team and the attitude of the city, I thought meshed really well. And it was something I always resonated with. Um, and just a couple of players that I remember fondly, my number one favorite player was Sergey Samsonov growing up. I mean, he was just nice. awesome. Like, I mean, he was like, yeah. Oh, and I, I, <laughs> I tweeted out a picture recently of his, uh, cause I, I forgot that he got, he was in the same draft as Joe Thornton. So I think if they took Thornton with number one, I think it was, yeah eight they took Samsonov maybe but there's a ridiculous picture yeah, Samson, seventh or eight yeah yeah oh he's so good but there's a there was an absurd picture that I found and it's like Thornton sitting in a chair and then Samsonov behind him like hugging him and it's an absolutely absurd draft day photo and it's one of my favorite pictures in the world but <laughs> yeah um I think that was really he was my number one player growing up but I I remember I'm pretty sure that I was crying for like three days when Ray Bork got traded. Um, and um, yeah, some of the players around then though, like Anson Carter, I loved Anson Carter still do. He's awesome. Um, like I said, Sergey Samsonov. Um, and then the second run of um, uh, Muzz was really, really the, uh, some of the players that I really fell in love with growing up. So long winded way of, of uh, answering that question, but that's kind of where it all started. And, and how I got involved or not really involved, but um, really entrenched in Bruins hockey and the sport of hockey in general. Let's talk for a moment here about Built Bar. I received a box of Built Bars several weeks ago and I made my way through it in quick order. Some very delicious chocolate nut flavors and chocolate nut free flavors. Uh, just covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew. Felt like I was eating a candy bar to be honest, but the bonus is these are protein bars. They're uh, high protein, high fiber, very low sugar, and uh, a great snack for those of us who are working at home right now and need a little energy boost throughout the day and to feel good about our snacking choices while sitting down working at a desk. If you go to builtbar.com right now, you get $10 off your first box by using promo code LOCKEDON. That's $10 off your first box of Built Bars. You can mix and match flavors and use promo code LOCKEDON to cash that in. Yeah, I remember that. That 1997 draft, uh, so much like 
to be able to yeah. get those two players and then Samsonov going on and winning the the Calder Trophy as a as right. the, the rookie of the year and taking that pressure off Joe Thornton in his rookie year who who didn't really get off to a a flying start with the Bruins that that was pretty uh yeah pretty special and you know obviously Thornton has well outlasted Sergei Samsonov but uh, he really started off with a bang and was really really exciting player for sure. Yeah, he, he, Thornton's had a yeah, had, yeah, he's had a so. decent career I, man, for sure. I was on the just to sidetrack a bit on on the trade for Thornton train at this oh. this trade deadline. I know a lot of people really see where he fit in, but I was I was fully on board that uh, I've always wished that he had stayed a Bruin and that he. Uh, I've always rooted for him in San Jose, and and if that could happen in Boston, uh, I'm just all for that. I don't really care where lineup. Uh, to be honest, I, I just wanted to see him. Yeah, that would back been... here, and, and the fact that it was kind of close was, was really for sure. Yeah, that would have been so cool. Obviously, it was it. It would have been interesting to see how that would have played out if he had somehow made his way back here, where he would have fit in, how he would have fit. I think he actually. If he could, I mean, the Bruins have changed so much just in the past, like since Bruce Cassidy took over from Claude, it's, I mean, they play like a thousand times faster. There's so much more emphasis on like smooth, smooth skating, really quick puck movement, constant movement off the puck. It's, it's kind of, it's interesting how it's changed and how much more success they've had. But I think Joe Thornton has the capability of just being a chameleon. He kind of just fits in anywhere and if there are other players on the ice he's just going to put it right on their tape but yeah he he kind of uh he turned out to have a decent career out there in san jose but actually just in the the uh in the nature of sidetracking when was it month two months ago um brian burke mentioned the anaheim possible trade or whatever um it was funny he's been saying that for like six years and no one i guess no one really paid attention but he's been saying that for a long time but the story somehow just recently caught yeah. fire because we, have, we all have nothing to do. But if if nothing one of the players about. that would have come back from Anaheim would have been like Corey Perry, can you imagine a first line with both Brad Marchand and Corey Perry just skating around, just terrorizing the league? It. I laugh. I was laughing for weeks when I was just picturing if that had happened, <laughs> and Corey Perry and Brad Marchand playing on the same hockey team. It was... <laughs> It would have been, oh, the suspensions and how much, how much people would hate the Bruins even more would have been unbelievable. But that's just one of the yeah. thoughts that goes through my head constantly. That was definitely uh, it was a, and that deal was on the table. That was obviously a huge blunder. But um, yeah. the way that it, the way that things have played out since, I was, I've always uh, hated that trade. Wish it never happened, but. I yeah. think uh, Bruins history over the last whatever fifteen years would have been a lot different if he if he had stuck around and kind of the dominoes that fell afterwards really really shaped this team, including being able to draft you know Brad Marchand and a lot of the guys that they've they picked up along the way. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind um, of like revisionist history, obviously, but it really is. Yeah, kind of interesting to think about how different the team would have been. And I mean, hey, we never would have got the uh, the Marco Sturm shift versus Montreal in Game <laughs> Six of 08. Like that's my favorite. True. Like, that's one of my favorite. We'll talk about it later, but that's one of my favorite memories of watching um, 
Bruins hockeys. So we never would have had that shift, and I never would have been yeah. able to send that tweet out and got you know, like 20 extra followers. So you know what? Maybe it worked out for the better. Sturm was also a Winter Classic, Winter yeah. Classic hero as well. Yeah, so we wouldn't have got that. Speaking yeah. of that, yeah, just uh, what what are some of you've already mentioned? It's kind of some of your favorite players, uh, Bruins moments. What what else stands out from uh, your favorite Bruins uh, memories or moments? Yeah, um, you know, a couple obvious ones. I just mentioned that Marco Sturm. I mean, that game six in two thousand eight. That building was rocking, and I'm you know. I really think that that game, you know, obviously the summer of what was it, uh, 06 really kind of changed the course of Bruins history and kind of shaped the team that we have now, bringing in Zidane Chara, Mark Savard. They drafted Phil Kessel, who turned into Tyler Sagan. Um, I think that was the same year Brad Marchand got drafted in the third round. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Tuka Rask that, trade was that year too? Tuka Rask, exactly, yep. I actually, it's funny, that, that was another random – I think we were still in quarantine. Um, I fired off that the the crazy summer of 06 for the Boston Bruins. And I mean, it caught fire and Milan Lucic actually, and because I drafted Lucic that year too. Uh, he, he ended up right, like, yeah, retweeting yeah, yeah. it. He retweeted it. Kyle oh, Dubas, nice. Kyle Dubas liked it. And I was like, what is my life right now? <laughs> but um, that was kind of like the roots obviously. But I really think that that series in 08, even though they ended up getting pounded in game seven, but that to me really, um, yeah, it, it really catapulted them. I mean, the, the attitude of the team, it's kind of, they always had that grinding blue collar mentality that they were going to outwork whoever they were playing and they were never out of the fight. And I think that game and how it turned out and Marco Sturm shift there, you know, throwing two big hits on Hammerlick, who's been abused by the Bruins in the playoffs for years. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just remember that it just felt like a catalyst for future success. And I mean, the next, the next season, I was convinced they're going to win the Stanley cup and the friggin' Carolina hurricanes. And yeah, that is, that one really hurt. But um that that's one of my favorite memories, just the reaction from the garden, the reaction from the city. It was just like, it was so, so cool. <laughs> and um, it really sparked future success for me. So that's an obvious one. Um, and obviously I don't want to name off a thousand cause I could, but I won't. Uh, um, another obvious one All would right. be the four one comeback. Just the, the start of the, yes, almost the demise, I guess, but not really the demise, but like kind of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I mean, I don't know if you are familiar with Filipovich with TSN. He does the hockey PDO cast. Um, right, he, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So during the pause, he's been doing quarantine rewatches of specific games and he'll have different writers on. And he had CJ, Chris Johnson on to talk about the Bruins Leafs game seven from 2013. And it's actually crazy how, that game for the Maple Leafs changed them forever. Like it wasn't forever. It's been about seven years, but um, they were never supposed to be in that series. It was never supposed to right. even be a thought. And there was so much positivity now that they were like a four one in game seven. And who knows what would have happened if they went on and played the Rangers, you know, who knows what happens after that. But then you look at some of the contracts they signed after some of the players they brought in, some of the players they let go. 
it really kind of just like absolutely destroyed them over the next few years. Um, and I mean, not that this memory is one of my favorite because it killed the Leafs, but just it's funny how it kind of altered their next few years. And now this entire new attitude with Shanahan and Dubas and Matthews and Tavares and Marner and Nylander, completely different team. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, it's probably the best thing for them looking back. They Right, right. Yeah. But it is interesting. Is I, I always wonder what would have happened if they had not lost that game. Because, I, mean, the, the, I mean, the Bruins destroyed the Rangers in the next series. They, I mean, the Penguins, I, I still right. can't swept them. I think the Penguins were like five goals. Tuca was ridiculous. But um, who knows what would have happened if the Leafs yeah, had gone on and advanced and who would have stayed and – what type of team they would have put out for the next few years. And would they ever have got Matthews? Who knows? Um, but that was one. Yeah. And then for the Bruins, obviously it was just incredible. And it, the fact that it ended the way it did. Yeah. Six, we don't day before my birthday, it really ruined or the day after. Oof. Yeah. But it really just ruined, ruined my week. So thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually, sorry. And then I just want to give you just, just one more. Um, Sure. Yeah. And it's, 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 I could name any game from 2011, but another, I guess more of a broad memory is the, the year before the first round versus the Sabres, that series was awesome. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, I think the Sabres might've made the playoff. They made the playoffs one more year after that, but they were, I think, I think it was a three versus six. I don't know, but Sabres were favored. And I mean, the, it was a mean series. It was tough. And the Bruins just, the names that ended up being some of the heroes were, it was really funny, like Miroslav Shatan. Like, like <laughs> yeah. he was in it. I think he scored two game winners at home. Um, the Garden was absolutely rocking. Savard was out. So who came in for him? Might have been, might have been Beijing. No, no, not Beijing. I forget, I forget who it was, but um uh, yeah that, that series was it was it was legitimately one of the most enjoyable series i've ever watched and that was another one i thought that really sparked the attitude of the team and it was just it was it was great and the sabers and the bruins were a really solid rivalry for a few years there and there was so much hate i mean mm-hmm. the Lucic hit on miller um that they joked about on the zoo <laughs> yes during the organization which hey you never know like that was that. amazing but hey, as Luke said, it got them Jack Eichel, so <laughs> they can't complain. Um, yeah, for that, sure. I love that rivalry. <laughs> That's hilarious. And as, as funny as it is to dunk on the yeah. Sabres because that organization is absurd and the Pagulas are – I I could go on. We could have a whole other anti-Pagula podcast because I just don't think they're very good people <laughs> and I hate them. But anyways, um, it's th- that rivalry is awesome, and I do love – I. I feel so bad for Buffalo fans because it's an unbelievably amazing hockey market and they've just been crushed. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that series for me was one of my favorites and I, I rewatch those games all the time. Actually, it's one of the weird, like hidden. Yeah. That I'll, uh, I like to watch, but those are three, three for me. Very nice. Yeah. I, I do wish the, this is of, that rivalry and they've had some pretty good rivalries with a lot of the teams in the division, like Buffalo, Toronto, Toronto yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo, Montreal is decent, Buffalo, yeah. Boston, Buffalo, Ottawa, even had a pretty good yep. series back in the day. So I, I do would like to see them 
be a bit more competitive. We, I guess we won't see them now till 2021 at this point, but uh, or, or beyond. Yeah, I mean, you be just nice said they the, were able to. Yeah, you, I mean, you said it yesterday. The 2020-21 or uh, the 2020 uh, playoff yeah. will be held in the 2023. Who knows? Season. I, I, that yeah. was, I forgot to to say that I, I really enjoyed that tweet. Well done. But um, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if. If the NHL tries to come back uh, on January first with the Winter Classic, I like kicking off it. the next season, but I love yeah, that. By that's the way. probably depending on the timeline that that's probably what they're looking at. I would I would imagine. Yeah, but well, uh, before we get there, obviously we gotta try to return to play, and the the Bruins are, um, I don't know, kind of going back and forth between whether it's a, a good spot for them to be in or if they're getting screwed by the play. For, and kind of having to re-earn the, the top seed and, and what they're in this uh, new format, kind of the, the President's Trophy season uh, in 2019-20. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, you're cutting in and out there, but I, I think I... Oh, sorry. I think I, uh, I think I know what you're saying, but, you know, I think we could go... You know, realistically, every team can say this. It, we could, if we really wanted to, we could go through and we could nitpick how it screws over our team. And yeah. uh, sure, did they were? I mean, think about if they had won like two or three shootouts. They didn't have those like weird. I think there was like three different four or five game stretches where the Bruins were abysmal. And I mean that that last month and a half that they were somehow still collecting points, but b- before the All Star break, like they were playing right. some of the worst first place hockey I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they've been, they've been good all year long, like ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like the whole idea, yeah, do they need to, to earn again the number one seed? Sure, that's kind of weird. But, you know, I, I'm excited. And I think the Bruins are in a really good spot. I mean, we could go, everyone always, the, the, the same hypothetical or not hypothetical, I guess, but the same question that I see all the time on, on like, well, not just Bruins Twitter, but hockey Twitter in general is how is this going to affect the veterans? How's this going to affect Bergeron, Chara? And it, it, I kind of just laugh because if there's one player in the NHL that knows what his body needs to perform at a high level, it's Zdeno Chara. I mean, he's what, right. 43 years old and people can say what they want about, Oh, he's a traffic on. He's so slow out there. Find me, find me one season throughout Zdeno Chara's career where he was like fast. Um, yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, he he kills like entire penalties at a time, and he is firmly entrenched as their best. Well, no, I won't say best, but their number one left shot D shut down with sometimes if it's him and Carlo shutting being a shutdown pair. I mean. <laughs> The, the, they're the best def- defense in the league and Tara yeah. absolutely heads that. And he's still logging almost 20 minutes a night at 43 years old or yeah, 43 years old. Um, so I, I don't really worry about him. He's it, it, it for me. I don't think he's going to take too long to get right back to performing at a high level. I just, he know he's been around for over 20 years. He, he knows his body. He knows what it takes to reform. And if there's a dude, in the NHL that's playoff tested, it's the Dano Chara. Patrice Bergeron, people yeah. say the same thing, but this is going to be like the healthiest Patrice Bergeron's ever been for the playoffs. So yeah, I seriously, yeah. I don't really worry about him either. The, the guys that I do worry about 
um, just with the Bruins, I look at, you know, it's misleading because I'm pretty sure last year he did lead the playoffs in points with O'Reilly, but Brad Marchand has not been like a very good playoff performer other than his rookie season and, um, or yeah, that rookie season 2011 playoffs, obviously he was an animal. Um, but you know, last year he led the the playoffs in points, but like there were long stretches that that entire first line and really the entire those top two lines really weren't very good and if you look at right. brad marchand the playoffs since 2011 it's been eh, like serviceable but eh. um so i i wonder what brad marchand comes out of the gates looking like he sometimes can take a few games to get going again so we'll see there but i i really the one the one guy that i'm probably the most worried about is jake debrusque what jake mm. debrusque are we gonna see um, right for whatever reason, the DeBrusque Krejci, it I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. It just hasn't been there. It's been off. And it's weird because he's always been streaky, but those two have always worked really well together. I mean, the past month we saw DeBrusque primarily skating with Charlie Coyle. And I right, think they yeah. look really good. I think they look really good together. Yeah, I'm um, not opposed to keeping that together. Yeah, I'm not either. Um and, you know, I, I just wonder what Jake DeBrus we're going to see because this season, more than any, when he's on, he is on, he's sniping, he's going nuts, he's working off the puck, he's relevant the entire time he's on the ice. But when he's off, he not only do you not notice him, or well, you do notice him, but it's bad. And he was yeah. bad a few games. Um, this, so, I mean, again, he's he's been streaky all, was it, three seasons now? But... This season, more than any of the others, he's appeared to be more, even more so, um, streaky. So I, I really, I, those are two things that I wonder about. And then the last question I have about what the Bruins are going to look like, you know, two guys who it's, this this pause really has not benefited whatsoever, Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie. Right, yeah. Um, I don't think that, with Krejci, they have been, quote-unquote, as bad as people have made them out to be. Because, you know, I, I don't know if you saw, but I my project for this week, I've been giving myself different projects just to stay busy and feel yeah. <laughs> feel relevant, <laughs> like covering the Bruins is yeah. I just like giving myself projects. But I've been re-watching all of their games, or Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie's. And it's so funny because the three of them actually work really 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 well together and at everything except generating like high danger scoring chances like they just don't like they're really good in their own end because i think you know people can say what they want about nick ritchie he is a other than when he like for whatever reason sees red and blows his top and is an idiot to put it lightly um He's got really, really good hands. He's a he's a good possession player, and he's really smart. But then he kind of will just do something stupid, and that's it. Just stands out. But yeah, I really like Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. For me, I, I was saying this to I forget who I was telling about telling this to, but for me, I look at Andre Kasha and I see a faster, higher skill, higher ups, uh, uh, higher offensive upside 
not quite as good defensive Danton Heinen. He's really, really good in all three zones, and he's been yeah. one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League for years. I've been joking for two years that I wanted Andre Kosh on the Bruins. So when I saw that it actually happened, I was I couldn't I was I thought I was dreaming. So I I am a huge <laughs> Dr. Dre Andre Kosh fan. Um, yeah. But the three of them do work really well together. But just for whatever reason, the chemistry all of a sudden goes away when it comes to generating scoring chances and getting pucks on net. But I, I, it sucks because, you know, they, they've been playing for a few games and now all of a sudden they have, it, it, by the time they start playing it, it's going to be more than like an off season worth of time yeah. away from the team. Like they can zoom all they want, but that, <laughs> that doesn't really help <laughs> yeah. them generate chemistry on the ice. So those are, those are three of the questions that I have, you know, where do they fit in the lineup? What the are we going to see and can Marshawn really kick it into gear and get going right away? But that was, I guess, kind of, now I think about it, what your question was, but those like, just no, yeah. thinking of the Bruins, that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I would, I would totally agree with, with what you're saying there. And I think looking back, like if there was going to be a time when they would have experienced a letdown, it would have been the beginning of the regular season and they right. started out so well. So that's kind of right. encouraging. And I think maybe even this uh, opportunity to have a bit of a reset and these training camps, that might help mm-hmm. just develop that chemistry as well. So hopefully, yeah, those new guys can fit in a bit more. Bruce can find out better where they where they actually fit into the lineup. And it could end up being, even like you said, just getting guys healthy. It kind of levels the playing field, but you know, Boston's top guys, when they're healthy, they're better than a lot yeah. of teams or most teams' oh, yeah. top guys. So that will be a big, uh, a big, hopefully a big bonus for the Bruins as well. But right. Yeah. I, I guess mean, there's, there's right. so much that has to be worked out before, before it even happens. But yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a good, a good, uh, good, good way to look at it for sure. Yeah. And, and not to cut in again, but you no, just no, said no. it there. I think that if there is a coach that's going to be the most ready for something like this, I think Bruce Cassidy, the way that like the grasp he has on that room and how to coach those guys is incredible. And it's kind of crazy to me because he probably won't get very many Jack Adams votes just because I think that trophy or that award has turned into what coach or what team that wasn't supposed to be very good was either like, serviceable slash made the playoffs or like hey surprisingly really good but the coaching job he's done and how good he is and the feel that he has when he needs because he lets Chara Bergeron Marshawn Krejci Rask he lets them run the room and but he tells them it's like hey if we have a couple games where it's not looking I'm stepping in and for the most part he doesn't have to worry about the room at all which is nice because that takes that off his off his hands um but he, I think more than anything, he knows that when training camp does start up again, he, I'm just knowing him, I'm sure he's just going to want them to play. And he's pretty hands off. He's not, I don't think he's a guy that's going to try to micromanage um, those playing days or those um, training camps or whatever. So I think he is a coach that I would be very confident in starting off this weird, um, this weird kind of pseudo exhibition playoff thing that's going to happen but that and then this is this is again we're sidetracking but this is a huge 
this is going to be a huge summer for Nick Ritchie. This is why you brought him in. So we'll see what he's going to bring to the table. They talked about how he needs to be more competitive, I guess, at times in Anaheim. And because I like Andre Kasha so much, I, I was watching a weird amount of Anaheim over the past like year and a half. And it's true. But I do think that Bergeron, Chara, you know, that leadership core is and being a part of a really good team again, I think I do think I, I'm confident in Nick Ritchie, whether I should be or shouldn't be. Um, maybe it's just kind of blindly being faithful, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, perfect. Before I let you go, I know you already mentioned kind of that you've been games uh, to keep busy during this time of no sports and all that. Is there anything else that you've been kind of watching or reading or any uh, recommendations that, that you have to pass along for people looking to stay entertained during this time? Yeah. So other than Bruins stuff, cause I've been my weird recent obsession is I just rewatched and put a little video together of all of back and nine and NHL shifts. It's interesting, but some non-hockey stuff that I saw you may be starting soon with sons of anarchy. And I started that again week and a half ago two weeks ago and it's legitimately it's probably like my eighth time watching it's it's pretty hardcore (laughs) i forgot how intense it was and i was like oh i don't know if they'd air this today but it's legitimately one of my favorite (laughs) shows of all time so i don't know have you started it uh not yet no we uh it just came on netflix up here in canada then just season one it looks like so i haven't i haven't started it yet but it's something uh maybe uh once we have yeah. nothing yourself. to watch that I might jump on for sure. Yeah, brace <laughs> yourself. It, it's intense. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. But other Very than that, cool. it's pretty much just teaching, watching old hockey games <laughs> and uh, analyzing different guys' shifts. And that's that's pretty much my life right now. Sweet. And uh, where can people find find your, uh, your Bruins content and what uh, kind of what you're up to? Where can people follow along? Yeah, so um, you mentioned it earlier. You can find me on Twitter at SpokedZ. And then everything that I'm doing pretty much goes towards our Bruins Diehards page as well as our Pride Diehards page. Um, We're now covering the Boston Pride NWHL. Really, I mean, those the people that are in that organization are amazing. Um, Bruins fans remember head coach... Paul Mara, he was in Boston for a year. Um, right. Carolyn Pilch, the GM's amazing. Um, and we launched a couple weeks ago the Pride Diehards podcast, which the actual team, the Boston Pride, picked up as their official team podcast. So that's with Spencer Facetta mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, Sarah Griffin pretty well. So yep. they're doing an amazing job. It sounds like yeah, that's very cool. um, they're getting tons of traction already. So people, people should start listen to that pay attention to some Boston pride coverage too, along with the Bruins, because if there's anything that fans of Boston sports teams like to do is gloat about how good their team is <laughs> and how much better they are. And the pride, I think it was 23 and one the regular season. Yeah. And unfortunately the, the championship game got officially canceled, but um, their, their team with some of the players they brought back and then they're drafting it's, they're going to be ridiculous again. And hopefully now there'll be that Toronto rivalry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to go see some Toronto six games when they start playing uh, sometime soon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, awesome. I really appreciate uh, you taking some time to chat today and, and uh, definitely try to connect once hockey's back and once we kind of ramp up towards this uh, hopeful return to, to just, uh, yeah, tee up, tee up the Bruins uh, playoff run. And uh, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, giving me the call and getting the call up to the big leagues. You know, I, <laughs> I usually I'm, I'd probably say no to a lot of people just because I'm believe it or not kind of shy, but again, <laughs> you're, you're crushing it. I don't know how you, I've messaged you multiple times, but I mean, the, the work you're doing, doing a solo podcast almost every single day, even when there's no hockey being played. I mean, you do an awesome job and you've had some really good guests and it's always really good content. I've listened to most of them. So, I mean, I, what you're doing is amazing and stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, I'm sure we'll link up again soon.